Hello, this is Michael LeFavor. And I'm Ryan Matlock. And this isn't a normal thing, but we were discussing episode 7 of Down Gilead Lane, rumor has it, and ended up having an hour-long discussion about purity culture and dating and John Morrison's advice to, to Brooke in the episode, and here's an intro to that discussion. Feel free to listen, feel free to skip. It's not really... You don't have to listen to this one to appreciate the rest of the review, so... Ryan, uh, you, uh, ready to get into this this discussion, I guess? Let's do it. All right, here's what that was. Hey, look, we're returning to Gilead. Yay! For the seventh time, and hopefully this one will be the best so far, because we both have quite a bit to say about this one, don't we? Yes! Yeah. So much to say. Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Strap in for a 45-minute podcast. We're going back to our roots. For a peek behind the scenes, the last two podcasts, I was doing a recording setup that was really, well, shall we say, harmful on my brain, uh, because <laughs> of just the amount of brain fog that I had was weird. And now that for, like I can for, actually breathe in my recording setup, for, I have for context. I, <laughs> he had a comforter over his head. Yeah, and I'm gonna guess it's like the walls are closing in. And yeah, now, pretty much. It's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I, I can actually look around, and that's probably what was going on. Uh, still, it was, it was a fun podcast to do, and you guys have heard him by that point. But yes, this is a new week of podcasts, and this is a great episode because you think it's about dating, but it's actually about watching your words and kind of about dating. And it has great messages for, I think, both of them. I don't know what you thought about that, Ryan. Uh, I thought that it had mostly great messages no. oh. and one that one one set of messages that I actually disagree with. Oh, Let's jump into that, then. How about we just go right there? Right there? All right. Yeah. Cool. What you got, man? Okay, so first off, what I don't have a problem with, Timmy, he's adorable. We'll get to yes. that later. <laughs> <It's fantastic>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving on, um, I do enjoy the episode. I think it has like a lot of good things to offer. Um, the one thing is there's a conversation that Mr. Morrison has with Brooke. Yes. And it's, uh, if this follows... Um, Brooke was at school and everyone is like spreading rumors about her and it's Caleb, right? Yeah. Uh, or, no. Or Luke. Brad, Luke. Brad Luke. Smith. And Luke, Brad yeah. Smith. Brad Smith is spreading rumors spreading about, rumors her, about her, her. Or not necessarily spreading rumors uh, as much as teasing. But more, more just pressuring her and yeah. him to get, get together and start dating or something. And she's saying, and, I don't even like him. I don't want to be in a relationship. Exactly. And she talks to her dad about it and... He kind of says, like, you know, I'm totally with you. Don't date. Everything's good. And, like, I think that's fine. Like, it's a pretty good conversation. And, like, the way it's presented is overall pretty wholesome. Um, I've got three quotes from that conversation that I want to talk about. Do you want to listen to the clip of the day first? Because that's from that conversation. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do that right off the bat. The only thing that can come from giving your heart away, even little pieces of your heart, too soon is pain and regret. You sacrifice part of you that could be given to your true love later in life. I I think I know what you mean. Yeah, well, you have so many years ahead of you, sweetheart, and all the time in the world to fall in love. I mean, don't force anything to happen before it should. I won't. (laughs) But like I said, I haven't even wanted to date Luke. It's just that everyone made me feel like if I don't, there's something wrong with me. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. All right. So, so what are your thoughts? So Brooke is, what, 15 at this point? She's in yeah. ninth grade, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So more or less, I pre- I kind of agree with this um, because this is what I grew up with too. Like I was, I think, 15 or whatever when even any thought of dating started coming up. Mm-hmm. And I was raised kind of in a purity culture kind of setting and adopted it wholeheartedly. I was like, nope, not going to date. I have a strict rule. I'm not going to date until I'm 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I come from. Uh, but the three lines that, uh, Mr. Morrison says are a lot of harm and regret can come from dating too young and having romantic relationships when you're not ready. And then he says, I know now that it wasn't worth it. And he's talking about, uh, giving a kiss to someone he was dating that wasn't, uh, Mrs. Morrison. Um, so he says, I know now that it wasn't worth it. I wish I could have given that kiss to your mother. And then Mm. the third, which is partially, like, he says, it's too risky when you're so young. God made our hearts so precious, and there's no greater gift than to save your heart for the one God has for you. And then the rest was in the clip of the day. He says, the only thing that can come from giving your heart away is you're going to get hurt, essentially. Right, Um, right. And there are a couple things at play here. 
uh, I summarized them in these three beliefs. One, when you date slash kiss, you irrevocably give part of your heart to someone else. Two, if you do so, you have less to give to your lifelong partner. And three, you will avoid pain and regret if you don't date until you're older. Um, these three arguments, I'm going to do my best to kind of dis- demonstrate why I think they're false. Um, first, when you date and kiss, you irrevocably give part of your heart to someone else. Can um, confirm I have a true. question. You do? Yeah, because that happened to me. And I'm still so still dealing what, with it. Yeah. So what do you mean by give your heart to someone else irrevocably? That there is because context is really important. Can I jump in and get, yeah. and get a little bit? Of, so in sure. this episode, not, not my context, but it's important to know everything that John says in his relation, in his advice to Brooke is if you're in a forced relationship, I wouldn't take it to say if you were in a meaningful relationship, a relationship that you wanted to be in that was the right one to be in, but wasn't and wasn't something that you felt pressured into doing, which is what he said happened to him and what Brooke says is happening to her. So because of that, if you're in a relationship that's forced and even and even one that's not, the feelings that you have for the other person in that relationship are going to be affected by the circumstances surrounding it. And for me, it was because I was really wanting the relationship to happen and when it didn't happen all of those feelings that i had put into the relationship were stripped away and in the future i will still have a great relationship but the reason i don't think it was a problem was because it wasn't forced it was at what i think was the right time for me and it just didn't work out but if it was forced i could have foreseen that and i could have stopped it and right now I actually feel like John's advice and what Brooke is going through is really applicable to me because there's a lot of pressure at Liberty. That's not Liberty's fault, but I'm seeing a lot of my friends getting into relationships and this can happen anywhere. Not just at, just at, not just at college, not just at Liberty, but because a lot of my friends are in relationships and I'm thinking, man, I'm not in a relationship right now. I'd like to be. I kind of have that pressure on myself. Of, there must be something wrong. There must be some reason why I'm not in one. And so if I were to get into a relationship and get those feelings and irrevocably change my relationship, that would be a bad thing because it didn't have to happen. So I would agree with his first point that you do change the relationship, but not necessarily to a bad thing. And that's points two and three, which I think need to be qualified. But anyway, that was that's my perspective on Mm. it. Did you want to add to that? That's an interesting perspective, because like uh, the way I'm approaching this, I'm not thinking about relationships in terms of like this is a forced relationship versus a non-forced relationship. Yeah, I think that's um, important Because here. I feel like this advice is not being given only in relation to if you have pressure to get into a relationship. Well, uh, John says that saving that kiss for his wife was specifically the kiss he gave to the girl he was in the forced relationship with. So, Well, but I don't know that he... I wouldn't necessarily call that a forced relationship so much as he saw, he thought that because they were... Um, going to, with each other to the dance that they were dating, right? Yeah, that's what it. That's what I mean, and that's that's what I'm using as the phrase "forced relationship." It's something right. That he but didn't, theoretically, he didn't, you could yeah. call any relationship forced so long as it doesn't end in marriage. Then, right? No, 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 because for him, he gave the the point that he didn't necessarily have feelings. He didn't necessarily pray or consult other people about it. He just went with it because it was right there. And for me. I've felt that same pressure. If there's a girl who kind of expresses interest, I'm like, I don't want to let her down. I don't want to lose an opportunity for a relationship, so I should just go with it. And then I realize, no, it's something that I need to be ready for by person to person. I need to be ready to pursue a relationship with this person. And if I didn't, it would be forced. Maybe forced is a bad bad term. So maybe if we think about it this way, if a relationship... I think I think maybe I just come to this sort of common sense in mm-hmm. my mind. You don't start a relationship j- just for the sake of a relationship. You do it because you do care about the person and want to grow closer to them. Uh huh. Um, that's what John did. Ideally, I'm John ideally, started for the sake. How, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, ideally, that's how you do it with. That's how you do it with them, and how they want to do it with you. Right. Um. But the first thing that John says that I have an issue with is, um. 
he says a lot of harm and regret can come from dating too young and having romantic relationships when you're not ready. I think that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, what I would ar- what I would ask is what determines whether someone is ready or not? Because he doesn't really talk about you'll be ready when you have an appropriate view of what a relationship is, or you'll be ready when you, I guess, when you recognize that a person is someone that you want to spend your life with, or that you're interested in growing that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if that's the case, like the the idea presented in this conversation that when you date slash kiss, you irrevocably give part of your heart to someone else. Is that the case even when Brooke is ready? Maybe if in a year yeah. she's like, oh, now I do feel like they're doing this with um, Luke, would the argument still stand or would uh, Mr. Taylor or Mr. Morrison say, yeah, let's do this? I'm pretty sure the argument would still stand and Mr. Morrison would say, yeah, let's do this because even though that happens, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's phrasing it this way because the context specifically is you're not ready. Therefore, it would be, it would be bad, right? I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here. I don't know. Maybe I'm coming to this because the perspective I'm coming to this at was that there are people who say any child uh, like under the age of 18 is not ready. Well, yeah, let me if I can give some of my perspective here, maybe this will clear things up. Sure. I did a speech for Stoa in my final year, which is speech Mm -hmm. and debate. I did a speech saying like why teen dating should be encouraged for those who are ready for it. I am the one who came from the family who was fully okay with me dating in like late high school um, and kind of encouraged me like, hey, how about this person? I'm like, "Eh, I don't need a wingman right now. And I've been through those relationships and had conversations with those people. I would be the advocate against what John's saying here. And I would probably a couple like a year ago, I probably would have said, no, no, you should have these experiences because it helps you learn what you want in a person dating early sure avoids avoids problems later on but somehow i'm supporting what he's saying here and that's because recently i've had a lot of changes when it comes to my perspective on dating and my perspective on relationships and so much of it is i'm not going to say my own maturity but the maturity i've seen in other people about they've given me this advice i didn't listen to them and now i know where they're coming from and it's hard for me to describe the thing is so vague anyway so that putting a quantifier on it on when you're this old or when you're this specifically ready, it's really hard to do that. So I yeah. think the episode toes the line really well by saying – by using the term ready or wanting when you want it and by giving the warning that giving your heart away too early can have problems. And I don't think it's a problem to say don't date at all in high school. Coming from a guy who really wanted to date in high school because I see that waiting can be so much better. Mm. You know? Well, I know where maybe. you're coming from. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know that I agree. So yeah, that's here, fine. I'd like to focus on the thought of giving your heart to someone else mm-hmm. um, because sure. I think that's a term here that it, exploring it might help okay. um, because I don't think that ideally when you – like if you were to date or kiss someone, for mm-hmm. example – I don't think that ideally that's you giving your heart away to them because like you can give your heart away to them that way, but that doesn't mean that that's how that must work. I think that you have to practice healthy boundaries in a relationship because if you get to the point that you're so obsessed with the person that you're like practically worshiping them, yeah, you've given your heart away. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you break up, then you're going to be like, oh, I wish that we were back together. And it's like, yeah, you've truly given away your heart if you're still pining after the person after they've left you. But if you adopt healthy boundaries for the stage of your relationship, then that doesn't need to happen. It looks mm-hmm. like, for example, your friends, that means you look out for one another, you enjoy camaraderie, etc. That's the state of the relationship and you don't, you don't put more emotional... Um, focus on it than that and then there's dating you connect on a deeper level but you're still not dedicated to the same level as marriage because you haven't taken on that responsibility yet and if you Mm -hmm. were to take on that responsibility that would be an unhealthy boundary there and then marriage the relationship has been defined by the vows you've taken and responsibility for marriage is coming only after that commitment and now you can tie yourself more closely and emotionally to that person because you've made that commitment to each other and it's not going to break off unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong. And so 
we have different stages of emotional attachment associated mm-hmm. with different stages of relationship. And you don't end up giving your heart away to someone else because you have practiced emotional and relational maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that makes complete sense. And I, where I take issue with this is that Mr. Morrison isn't explaining any of that. He's saying that when I was young, I kissed someone and I gave away a part of my heart to that person. And it's like, well, I would hope that you didn't think that I would hope that you practice more emotional maturity than that. But also like that kind of ties into the second thing, which is the argument. If you give your heart away to someone or if you do that kiss date thing, you have less to give to your lifelong partner. I strongly disagree with this because when we love and show affection for people, we aren't pulling from a limited supply. I doubt Mm -hmm. anyone who dated in high school feels that they're handicapped in loving their spouse years later. Like, they have less to give. Um, suppressing affection, um, like, uh, th- th- this is where I come from, is that um, people told me growing up, like, you'll have less to give to your lifelong partner if you um, are if you are intimate or in any way show affection to people who aren't your lifelong partner. Mm-hmm. But I know people who were also told that, and so they suppressed their emotions so that they wouldn't show that affection for other people. And then when they got married, they it led to problems in their marriages because one or both of the partners find it difficult to share intimacy because for so long they suppressed those emotions and now it's become internalized. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. If that was the if that was the the thing that they grew up with and that's what they practiced, I can see why I can see why that would be problematic. Yeah. Um But I would still I would still push oh, back for, for the for the last point of you were saying if you've had these experiences and developed this maturity to not give your heart away and not uh, not have that happen. Personally, I haven't seen that, but I guess there are people who can go through those relationships and become emotionally attached and not be affected by it in the future if there's a breakup or not have the mean? memories that come from it. Well, that seems to be what you're saying, right? That well, so you, you're you, that like practicing emotional maturity leads to being able to be okay with the breakup or what? Well, it seems what Mr. Morrison is saying is that his his relationship with his wife is great, but it would have been so much better if his wife had been his first kiss. And I don't think he's saying that he regrets his relationship with his wife because of that. I think he's saying he wishes he could have saved it. And because of that, that's a part of his memory or a piece of his heart in a way that he wasn't able to give to his wife. The first kiss. That's all in the specific context of that. So considering that, if he were if he were more mature, how would you have said he would have been able to avoid that? Because this is both coming well, from a fictional character's I, perspective and I'm guessing sure. from Beth Culp's perspective of stuff in her own life that she's gone through. Because she wasn't married at this point um, and she yeah. eventually did get married. But if this is the message that's being portrayed, how is it how is it inapplicable to John and Brooke and maybe say me for sure understanding the lesson? So let me unpack that. So mm-hmm. I'm speaking as someone who did have a first kiss wedding. So right. my first kiss was my wife, um, not counting like pecks on the cheek for my mom or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, my first kiss being my wife. I appreciate that. And I'm glad that that was the case because I don't think I like, I wouldn't trade that for it being anyone else. That said, I do think that the first kiss wedding kind of standard is something that's perpetualized in Christian circles and almost a bit of an idol Mm -hmm. because let's, let's ask like, what is the value of that first kiss? It's the memory. It's the that memory you have associated with it. Um, but beyond that, what do like? Here's the memory I have associated with my first kiss. It was a kiss, and then it was over. Mm-hmm. Like it was nice, but it wasn't this big music swelling, orchestra playing, birds flying, doves flying through the sky, and a rainbow kind of mo- moment. It was just a moment, and it was nice, but 
ultimately, I think that in Christian circles, it is common to point point to that as some standard that it's this amazing thing and you're going to share it and it's going to be the best memory ever. And it's not necessarily. And it's used as a thing to almost shame people who don't save their kiss for marriage. Let's I be think fair here, though. John isn't the, shaming. If, John isn't shaming himself, nor is he. Nor would he shame Brooke, right? Well, that's a good question. He's saying he really wishes he had, which means that he mm-hmm. thinks he did something wrong, right? No, no. He says there's nothing wrong with kissing. That's a line he says right, like, right after but that. But he also says he says I there's nothing wrong with kissing. But in the same breath, he says he wishes he had done it differently, yeah. which means he thinks he did the wrong thing. No. No, there well, are not in a more not in a morally wrong way, but in a that was the wrong decision kind of way. I don't even think that's what he's saying. I think he's then saying why that he would learned... he say he doesn't if he thinks that it's the right decision to have made, then why would he say he wishes he had done it differently? Because you can still like maybe this is because I'm a Calvinist. <laughs> I'll say that a lot, but <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of decisions that we make that are not necessarily right or wrong. Maybe they're right. Maybe it was the right decision for him at that time, and yet He learned from it. He knows this now. He's able to give this advice to Brooke because he's been through that. And so it could have been the right decision for then. And he still could regret it and want to do something differently. And that other thing differently could also have been the right decision. But he's saying that the consequences of that. And for me, you talked about the bird swelling, uh, rainbows, uh, this (laughs) bird swelling, (laughs) not, not Shrek, the music swelling, birds flying, uh, rainbows, everything like that. Uh, You just described mine, Ryan. And that's, and, and that is a core memory that I have. I'm never going to lose that memory and everything about my relationship from now on, like since then, since last year, everything stems from that. Every single thing points back to that. And that's the problem is that I don't know if that's unhealthy. I don't know if it was a problem the way that I approached it. But I do know Mm. that it really, really affected me. And because of that, in my next relationship, I may wish, man, I wish I would have saved my first kiss. Not knowing that, not thinking that it was wrong. I don't think there's any way I could have known that it was right or wrong. But with the added context that John is saying here, that this was a relationship I felt pressured to get into, and this was my first kiss that didn't end up being to my wife, those two combined, he's saying to Brooke, I wish I could have done that differently. And for me, I would wholeheartedly agree with that based on where I'm coming from in my own experience. And because I didn't grow up in what you're calling purity culture, because I've been a lot more sympathetic to the a lot of evangelical tenets that I've heard throughout my life, and I still I don't reject a lot of them. I, I we talk quite a bit mm. about the, our differences on that, but I'm still trying to figure out what do I think about all this, and uh, I see I really see the merits in this, and I've talked with my parents about it, and I really respect what they have to say, and they've said things that are similar that your emotions, at least their emotions, and it's it's different it's different from person to person, but I found it really applicable to me that our emotions are so fragile at times that even if we have all the training it can still affect us in ways that we don't expect. That's what I'm seeing in John's conversation here. Now, this that actually ties in perfectly to the third uh, last thing that I have to say, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to sound like a debater. <laughs> and now for my third point. Um, but uh, the third thing is the idea that you will avoid pain and regret if you don't date until you're older, you're more mature, uh, stuff like that. You'll avoid um, some of it. Sort of. Um I actually have a story to share for this. Um, There was a girl Mm -hmm. that I liked in high school who is not my wife, um, but um, I kind of followed that doctrine of don't date until you're older perfectly. I didn't even consider dating, and I kind of remained friends all through high school, and I even kept that crush more or less a secret because I I was that against dating. Um, uh, We both turned 18, and I thought, okay, we're not kids anymore. I can see if she'll date me, but... I was working at Chick-fil-A at the time and I looked up from like the cash register or whatever and saw that she walked in. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yay. And then she was followed by a guy who it was clear that she was with. And I was like, oh, wait, uh, is she a friend or something? And then <laughs> I remember and like that was the same day that like on Facebook, I checked my phone later or something. She was in a relationship with him. 
No. And <laughs> and I was the one like after that I was on dining room duty. So I was like clearing their tray and getting them refills and saying hi while they're like having their first date right in front of me. It was just kind of just put the knife in and twist it kind of moment. <laughs> um it's a really funny story. What would you um, recommend, Sebastian? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um but anyway, um all this to say that really hurt. And all throughout the time, like from like, I was, I think the crush started when I was 13. So this lasted like for five years that I would, I didn't say anything. And I dealt with a lot of heartache over the years, um, thinking about the crush, thinking about the relationship, what it could be eventually, um, wondering if it would be eventually. And it was a lot of heartache, um, that Mm -hmm. I dealt with. Yeah. Um, I think that there is a belief that if you date someone if you if the relationship doesn't turn out well uh, like adults come to the situation um because in their generation there was a lot of dating a lot of, that was just sort of a thing to do and then people got hurt and they don't want us to deal with that and i appreciate that um but it's missing a piece that you can deal with just as much loneliness depression and heartache from not dating or from seeing some seeing someone else date the person that you care for, or from even just feeling like no one wants to date you. And mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. I think that that heartache, it's part of growing up, part of being human to endure heartache. And that's not that you should seek it out, but heartache isn't a thing to be crushed and avoided either. It's almost the opposite of emotional maturity to try to avoid anything that would ever hurt you, possibly. Because the reason that we hurt is because a good thing has come to an end generally. Like my ice cream fell on the ground. That's because it was a good thing that I appreciated and now it's over, it's gone or it's diminished. And even in the Bible, we see God saddened at the loss of good things as his people turn to sin instead of towards a loving relationship with him. And I don't think that that heartache is wrong. And I think that uh, the idea in this, like, don't become emotionally um, vulnerable because it means that you might injure heartache. There is wisdom there, but there is also a trap there because it means that we cease to form meaningful relationships in an effort to reduce heartache. Is that what John did with Mary? What do you mean? Did John make himself emotionally vulnerable when he was dating Mary? Yes. You, I think you always make yourself emotionally vulnerable when you um, share, okay. with, uh, share a relationship with a person. Because that means that they have the ability, like, uh, we'll take Hannah, for example. She knows yeah. me better than any other person on this planet, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe my parents, but even so, like, my parents haven't spent day after day with me for the last three, four years. Um, so at this stage in my life, Hannah knows me the best. That means that she knows what sets me off. She knows what is important to me. And she knows what, she knows my likes, my dislikes, all of that. She is technically the one person in the world who could hurt me the most Mm -hmm. if she wanted to. That doesn't mean that she wants to. In fact, she does not want to. She would like probably cry a lot if she knew that she hurt me. (laughs) Yeah. In any significant way. Um, But that said, I am emotionally vulnerable with her because it's safe to be be so. I can share all the tenets of the the most close parts of my soul and heart with her because I know that she'll take care of them. Mm -hmm. And she has no reason to try to mess me up. Yep. Um, but that said, I am emotionally vulnerable the same way a, a soldier is a, is vulnerable with their fellow comrades. They're hanging out with a bunch of people that have guns. They could easily be shot, but they're not going to because they're comrades. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like any relationship you get into, of course, you're going to be emotionally vulnerable. That's how relationships work. Ideally, you form relationships because you need someone to be vulnerable with. Okay. Um, Okay. And well, it's just about making sure that that's a healthy level for the stage of the relationship. Okay, so getting back to John, then the question I was leading to is is he saying it was a problem that he was emotionally vulnerable with Mary when they were dating? No. No. What's the difference? 
I'd say the difference is that eventually he married Mary. <laughs> so you're saying that if he didn't marry Mary, then that would have been the problem? Well, if he had, well, let's say he, if he got emotionally vulnerable with Mary and then yes. for some reason things didn't work out, I think he'd probably say the same thing he said about the first relationship, which is, you know, I really wish that I'd been able to share that first emotional vulnerability with the person that eventually became my wife. Okay. Right? Because we want no. to form those memories that are close to our hearts, those times when we were emotionally vulnerable and close and just generally intimate with somebody. We want to share that with the person that we're going to share it perpetually with, right? You want to. I don't think that's what he would say, though. I really, really don't. Well, I, and maybe that's, I don't know that he would put it that way, but I feel like that's sort of what he's saying with well, the first relationship no, as far I, as I, the kiss is concerned. No, no. Like, I've tried to bring out consistently that throughout this conversation, it's all filtered through the idea that he was not ready and that this was not a relationship that he even wanted to have. He felt pressured into it. And with Mary, his response to dating probably would be, don't get into a relationship at all ever because you're going, it might end up poorly. Obviously, he wouldn't say that because he himself got married and because marriage is a good thing. Taking the logical, taking the argument that I think it seems like you're saying he's saying would lead to that. And that doesn't well, I'm make sense. Well, I'm not saying sense. that. No. No. Okay. So what I'm okay. saying is I think that he's making the argument that you need to be, I guess, first off, you need to be ready for a relationship when you get into a relationship. That I agree with. Um, but what that means is not defined. So... What are we to say that it means in the context well, of this episode? In the context of readiness? this episode that you want a relationship, right? And that you know the person and that circumstances have led to that point. That's what we hear. There's, I would add the quality of people around you and your parents, people you trust, are saying, yes, this is a good thing for you to do. This episode doesn't provide that because it doesn't need to provide that. But just from the examples we see in this episode... It's clear that these characters weren't ready for this relationship. And therefore, John has the open door to say, I wish I'd waited until a relationship where I was ready, which is the one with his wife. Sure. So maybe I might be like jumping the gun here with some of these arguments. You're okay. Because, because I didn't yeah, I, filter it through. I didn't filter it through that idea of the person is ready for the relationship mm -hmm. because. I come to this from people that said a lot of similar things to uh, Mr. Morrison, but they didn't leave it up to the person to decide when they're ready. They leave it up to themselves. So like the parents are the ones that say when you're ready for a relationship or, um, well, yeah, usually it's just the parents in purity culture that are like, yeah, you're ready for a relationship or no, 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 you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I generally can, don't. That can, that can <laughs> last for, <laughs> that can last for too long. Like parents essentially saying that their kids are not ready for relationships in, a, in an effort to control them. Yeah, um, I generally don't approach episode reviews from the, the lens of this is what a lot of misconceptions are in the culture. I think that doing approaching writing episodes that way all, is problematic because you end up going the opposite way of, I think, what is intended or what should be written. So I would have written this episode exactly the same way. Uh, and I assume hmm. you would have written it differently because you're responding to you would be responding to some aspects of the culture. Well, but I still yeah, think, I would, yeah. I, would re I would respond to those aspects of the culture, not like in a, oh, I'm going to talk to you. Hey, culture, you're bad. Yeah. But I think it's important to be aware of the culture because like, like sort of the previous episode, um, they built in that Brooke um, gets talked to about anorexia and it's not all about Haley because they recognize that there are people in the audience who would hear the combat or the con. Uh, the comments towards Haley and reiterate the same sort of thing that Brooke says, unless they talk about the stuff with Brooke too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's responding to the base urges yeah. of okay. the audience to respond to it. And so when I hear this conversation, I recognize that the base urge and, and response is not going to be to focus on the aspect that we're focusing on, which is that, this is only in the context of you're not ready for the relationship and people are pressuring you into the relationship. Cause that doesn't, I don't feel like that happens at, or at least in my experience 
doesn't happen as often that people are saying, hey, get in a relationship. Hey, get in a relationship. Usually people choose to get into a relationship. Oh, we can keep coming back to me. Yeah. Like, dude, if all of these things that I'm finding in this episode are extremely applicable to me and you want to bring this up real quick. I guess I'm just sheltered. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, it's 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 fine. Like I I've told you about this and I'll sort of give a, a couple bits here. I was feeling this year, I really want to get into a relationship. I think that uh, it's been enough since the breakup to to do that. And so at the first opportunity that I saw, I just jumped for it and thought, okay, well, let's go ahead and see where this goes. And fortunately, I held back in that relationship because it end up, ended up that she was playing me, which was not a good idea. Yeah. It, it, was, it was terrible. But if I had gone further and become more emotionally involved or kissed her, and it ended up that way, that would have been something that I would have regretted in the same way I think John regrets his relationship. But with the one that I was in before then, I I don't necessarily regret that in the same... I wouldn't regret that in the same way because for that one, my mindset was different. I think I was ready. And still, after being ready, I still wasn't ready. And I don't know right now in this exact moment if I'm ready or not. So the definition of ready depends on a lot of things. But yeah. just saying the pressure argument is is actually a really applicable one. Okay. Maybe I'm sure. just different. That's valid. No, that's yeah. valid. Um, yeah, I guess all this kind of goes back to the, uh, sort of the ideas here. They can apply to the situation, but they can also be taken and twisted very easily. Sure. Because... In this situation, the conversation is specifically in the context of, yeah, Brooke, you don't want to date? Then you don't have to date. It can lead to issues if you date when you're not ready to date. Mm-hmm. But I th- I feel like that conversation is maybe as simple as that. Like, you don't want to yep. do something? Okay, then don't. Like, that comes into play with anything in life, right? Like, if you don't want to go into a profession and you feel people pressuring you to go into that profession, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable doing anything that you don't feel like you're ready to do just because people tell you to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's as easy as arguing that. But the specific ideas such as when you um, get into a relationship, you give parts of your heart away, I feel like that can lead to bigger issues where people feel inadequate in marriage because they they dated someone before they got into the relationship with their married partner um and they feel like oh because i kissed him or because we held hands i have given away things that i should have given to you and i feel shame because of that that's a huge issue that in people that are recovering from purity culture Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of i i guess my my final beef with this such such this part of the episode is that there's a lot of terms and ideas that are thrown around here that they only really work in a very focused subset. And outside of that, they're used much more broadly to enforce um, shame and many other negative things towards people who haven't really done anything wrong. Hmm. Okay, that's fair. I think there's. I think this concept is not really touched again until season 12. And I remember the season 12 episode where some of these things were brought up again. And I would be more than happy to talk about the, the greater context sure. then. Um, and right now I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I think regardless of whether I would, would agree or not, I'm, I'm not sure. Because a lot of it is when, when we're mentioning purity culture, I haven't done a ton of research on where it all comes from. But I generally don't like to think poorly about people. Um, I try to respect authority and try to think of well, where are they coming from when, when they give this advice. And sure. for my parents and the people I've talked to. And I'm wondering, why why is purity culture so bad? Maybe that's something that you can summarize real quick. But sure. if if I purity can. culture yes. was yeah, if it was if it was intended for a good purpose, why are all of the tenets so bad? Is there any is there any merit to anything anybody in pure, purity culture is saying? Purity culture is bad primarily because I I'd say let me let me gather my thoughts here. I want to make sure that my summary is good. Yeah. Purity culture is bad, sort of for the same reason as Brooke's response to the anorexia thing is bad in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Because we see that Brooke really cares about Haley, but she's going too far in that caring because she is talking to an issue that doesn't exist. 
at least for Haley, right? In this situation. Sort sort of. But it is uh, coming from the, there is some good that comes from it. Well, right? Well, what good comes from her talking to Haley about the anorexia? She points out that Haley's too obsessed in the way that she looks. But she could do not... that without saying that though, right? Yeah, yeah, she could. So she is going a little so, too far, but the issue there's still some issue there. Well, the issue is not anorexia though. So what I'm saying is okay, she's yep, speaking to the, when she talks about the anorexia, she's speaking to an issue that isn't there and what that can do, like that doesn't that's not what happens because it's a pretty simple episode, but if she were to do that, it could harm her relationship with Haley. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the tie-in with purity culture? Well, purity culture kind of goes back to a response to the sexual revolution where kind of back in the 60s, 70s kind of era, there were a lot of ideas going around saying like, well, you can kind of just do whatever you want, do whatever makes feel makes you feel good. And that's a worldly idea. And it's a wrong idea. The response was to say, well, we're going to go overboard to the per- to the point that we view relationships not in a balanced way, but in an overly spiritual, overly clean, don't look at all like the world kind of way. And what that does is it falls into legalism where mm-hmm. there are people like there are lots of jokes and like stuff in Christian memes that make fun of it, such as like um, premarital eye contact. Have you heard about that kind of term? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's specifically making fun of purity culture idealists who have a problem with premarital um, full frontal hugs or hand holding or anything like that. And they take it they take it from no premarital handholding to now we're making fun of like, well, what about premarital eye contact? Is there a problem with that? Um, it gets into a legalistic the Bible doesn't say you can't hold hands, or and it doesn't even say you can't kiss. It says don't have sexual intercourse if you're not married. Mm-hmm. And the legalism of purity culture leads to enforcing rules for people in relationships that shouldn't necessarily exist unless the people in that relationship adopt those rules for themselves because it works for them. Because usually legalistic rules don't work for everybody. Okay, that makes sense. So that's the problem with purity culture. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. If I can have just like five seconds to figure this out. Sure. And I guess just to uh, like one more aside to that is that... yeah. The people can have good intentions when they set up these legalistic rules and uh, general recommendations for relationships. They can have good intentions thinking, oh, this will work well. But often the government has good intentions when they set up laws. And that doesn't mean that they're good laws because good intentions doesn't equal a good rule or a good law. The law itself being good is what makes it good. And generally, we only get truly good laws from the Bible and what it says. And so I see that it's much more uh, beneficial to look to the Bible and see what it says that we should do rather than coming up with things that we should do based on what we think will work well. Hmm. Let me probe a little bit here. Sure. That seems it, so it looks like it's coming from something that's reactionary and not necessarily based on someone's experience. Right. The way that you've described purity culture seems to be we're looking at the sexual revolution and trying to figure out how do we respond to that. And so we come up with this idea. That's sort of what you've summarized, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So in this episode, John's advice to Brooke is based on his experience and he's a fictional character. So you're saying that what he went through and the feelings he has, there's no one who actually feels like that in real life, right? I would not argue that. I don't think that there's any way I could possibly prove that. I'm sure that there's someone out there that maybe feels the exact same way as him. Okay. And if someone did, is this the kind of advice he would give? Possibly. Okay. So how is that, assuming that somebody could have this experience and somebody did in this episode, based on the context we know, why would that be applied further to purity culture? Like, how is this episode furthering an improper narrative, I suppose? Sure. So it's because purity culture argues several of the same things that Mr. Morrison does, but mm-hmm. in different ways. So, for example, the argument, when you date slash kiss, you irrevocably give part of your heart to someone else. They don't only say that in the context of when you do so when you're not um, ready, like when you're being pressured. 
they say that it happens when, like, if a 15-year-old were to get into a relationship at all and date slash kiss, they give their heart to someone else. And their, the purity culture argument is you should only kiss the person that you are going to get married to. And so they argue you shouldn't kiss at all because you should wait until you get married. Then you can be assured that the person that you kiss is going to be your partner. Hmm. So, I so it's a similar. The, I, I, yeah, I understand that's the overarching theme in purity culture. Is that what John said? Did he contradict? Any no. Of so that? Well, what I'm saying, uh, did he contradict purity culture? Yeah. Did, was there anything he said that contradicted purity culture or did everything he say uphold it in the general context? I would say that there were several things he said that they were the same thing, just in a different context. So it's I would say that John's arguments are a limited subset of purity culture doctrine, which I tend to actually agree with. So like in this situation, when you say, well, he's saying all this because he's specifically addressing when you're pressured, that got me to think because I didn't think of it in that context. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. Well, if he is only saying this in the context of being pressured to get into a relationship, then all of this is true. Okay. Then in that case, perhaps we should put a pin in this just right here. Because when we get – just knowing myself, I could go back and forth on these points as much as possible. But (laughs) we've talked about this on Odyssey with the ties that bind castles and cauldrons and how we're here with this episode in that if there is an overarching – thing in culture that a narrative of the episode is upholding a part of the conversation generally shifts to that's a problem because it points back to that and that's harmful and i don't necessarily i haven't put in the research of the general culture or those ideas to be able to defend them so i naturally defend them because that part is in the episode so because of that i'm not going to be able to to articulate my thoughts clearly with regard to that as it relates to here, because I'm only focusing on this context. That's and that's fair. And that's interesting because when I think about reviews, um, generally I like to review things positively. And I've done that so far in this series, and I think I will continue to do that. But people listening can also either come down on either your perspective, my perspective, somewhere in between, anywhere like that. I don't have to prove my point. Um, and I don't think you... I don't think you're you're saying that you're trying to prove your point either. This is a good discussion that we're having here. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I want to make good arguments for what I believe, but I'm not yeah. trying to, like, hit someone over the head with it or anything. Right, right. And that, generally what I try to do, what I've been trying to do, is if I want to persuade, if I want to have an argument, then I will try to persuade that person. And I should probably stop. Because that's, because we both come to our positions from different, from different points of view. Or, or from from different backgrounds, I guess. So, trying to argue a certain point is probably going to be a matter of let's examine more cases, let's spend more time, more than we have time, even in a, even in a bonus episode of the podcast to to discuss, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, and like even yeah. even here, I feel like this discussion has been helpful because I yeah. started from the point of oh yeah, I totally disagree with this. Like I love Mr. Morrison, but I think he was just completely off in this episode. And I've ended at a point where I'm like. I think that the uh, I don't think that he's completely off because I didn't consider the context of this is only when you're being pressured into a relationship. And now I see that Mr. Morrison in this context he's completely right because this all works but only in the situation where you're being pressured into getting a re- in a relationship when you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Um and even so like now I can say the things he say can be used by people as like, like they can be used out of this context to further some kind of dangerous ideas, but overall, what he's saying doesn't have a problem because he's balanced and reserved in what he's saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where I, that's where I like to end these kinds of discussions, where the episode, yeah. the the episode toes the line of maybe this maybe this is being used partly by people. I I think some political uh examples of symbols that are used by certain people and then other people are like oh i guess we can't use that anymore because these weird people use that or phrases and stuff like that and this is sort of similar but if it if people are critically thinking and parents are critically thinking to these episodes hopefully they'll see this and be like ah okay i can use that and also my children are at at an age where they can date so viewing that circumspectly hopefully people aren't totally roped into purity culture by listening to this episode (laughs) 
Hopefully sure. not. What's going uh, yeah, on and here. I don't think I I would hope that they wouldn't be because that that's not really the focus of this episode. Right. Right. It, overall, like this was a very small part of an episode that like I look forward to talking about Timmy and stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's just the part that I thought bore. I, I thought it was worth talking about. Can Can we listen to the scene, like the full scene again? Sure. And I know your mom and I are considered old-fashioned by most people, but a lot of harm and regret can come from dating too young and from having romantic relationships when you're not ready. Yeah. So that's the first part. And in that Mm -hmm. sentence, he clarifies this isn't just dating at all or like this or or getting into romantic relationships um, with someone who's not your wife or with someone who's not eventually going to be your wife or your, your husband. He's saying like when you're not ready. And the not ready sure. ties into the context of, um, what ties into the context of being pressured into it. Does that sure. sound? Does that make sense? It does make sense if you have it. La- if you have that information later, here right. on the face, he says, "When you're too young, or when you're not ready." Which and I yeah. The reason that trips my trigger is because, um, that means that possibly what he is saying is. There is an age at which it is appropriate to date and an age when it is not. And I think that's true, but I think that that's not the same for each person. No, and, and I don't think he's saying 30 it is. Year old, there are some 30-year-olds who are too young to date because they never gain uh, maturity. Um, well, yeah. But purity culture tends to use this to control younger adults and tell them that they're not worthy of dating yet. Okay, yeah, but so because he says too young or or and, not what does he say, or or and? A lot of harm and regret can come from dating too young and from having romantic relationships when you're not. So, okay, I was going to use a logical argument. Let me, I think he should have said or there instead. Yeah, I think so too. Because, well, because, because, and I think that's, I think that's what he meant, honestly, because by saying that, Logically, it means that if either qualification applies to you, that you're too young or you're not ready, then you shouldn't. But I think also what he's saying there is that being too young and being not ready for a relationship are linked somehow. And maybe he's he's not explicitly saying it could be read either that way or that. You must qualify both for age and readiness. Like, even if you're ready, but you're not old enough, you still uh-huh. are not allowed. I think that I think if you're ready, then you are the right age because it's impossible to be the right age and not ready. So, like, right. from person In to which person, case, the only thing that matters is readiness, not age. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But for people who are listening and for Brooke, uh, age is a good marker of that it's a good indicator because there are there is a lot that is linked to maturity or there's a lot that's linked to age including maturity that i've i've seen from different studies that i've done um so i don't think he's too off uh off base to to mention that does that make sense maybe i think i would still argue like as long as, as far as how it applies to my kids i don't see myself saying you're too young so much as like or like I'll put it this way I see that reasonably relationships at you know 13 or whatever serve very little purpose and that's not because their age has anything to do with it it's the place mm-hmm. they are in life a 13 year old has no money and no prospects for a job because it's illegal technically yeah <laughs> as far as labor laws are concerned and so it's not like they're going to get ma- and also they're not going to be getting married anytime soon and so what does a relationship serve them as far as like, it's not like they're preparing for marriage because the chances that life is going to be very, very, very different in five years when they're able to get married is very good. Mm-hmm. And the chances that this relationship will last are very low. Okay. And so- as such, I see that it's an unwise decision, but not because of their age, because of their place in life. Okay. And the same could be said of a 20 year old who is at a summer camp across the country who they're like, oh, I really like this person. I'm only going to see them for three more days, but I want to get into a long-distance relationship with them. Yeah, you could. Chances of it lasting are low. Okay. Yeah, so... so it's ill-advised, but it's still up to you. Right, yeah. I would say that it's it's a bit 
it's a bit redundant, but it gets the hmm. Maybe I'm just grasping at straws here. But yeah, I'm I don't know. Thinking, like I think it's redundant. Well, no, you can you can put say, it in there. Well, no, I was gonna say that the 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 too young thing would also seem to me to be a maturity thing. Too young maturity wise, not ready in terms of your position in life, which could be which could depend on your maturity. That's how I'm reading that in a way to make this make sense. Maybe is that? Yeah, yeah okay. I, I I can I think that makes sense. I, All right, I, I guess it <laughs> it just depends on how the I guess it depends on how the parents take that back to their yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. I would love to sit down and, with Beth Culp and talk about this actually, if there's any sure. chance of that. That, that sounds but, fun. Anyway, I don't I don't know if I can find her. Keep going. Yeah, I, I don't even want anything romantic. Right. But everyone else thinks that we should be more than friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you about when I was younger. Uh oh, a walk down memory lane. <laughs> Just bear with your old dad, right? <sighs> now, when I was a sophomore in high school, I dated a girl named Victoria Bloom. Hmm. Yeah, like you and Luke, we'd known each other for years. Our parents were both members of a country club that held dances for young people. And it all started when we went to one together. I thought that meant she had to be my girlfriend. So we dated for about a year. She was my first kiss. What? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I wish I would have waited with that kiss. Why? I'm going to pause here just for a second. The reason that I didn't pick up on Mr. Morrison um, feeling like he had to be in the relationship is because I read his words a little differently. When he said, okay. I thought she had to be my girlfriend, I didn't see it as it was thrust upon him and he felt like he was supposed to do that so much as he thought she was supposed to do that. I thought she had to be my boy, my girlfriend. But that's sort of the same thing. Either way, it's I, that... I mean, it changes who is supposed to do something. Like, like let's say he was interested in her, like in this hypothetical. Mm-hmm. If he's interested in her... And then they get into the relationship and he thinks, oh, well, because we're going to the dance, that means that she's my girlfriend. Yes, technically he's still wrong, but it's just which side of the the coin he's wrong. Like whether he's wrong about her interest versus he's wrong about his interest. Well, yeah, and I'm saying there's there's pressure both ways. If if it was so I guess if he if he can say it either way, she had to be my girlfriend or I had to be her boyfriend. Let's say it's I mm-hmm. had to be her boyfriend, there's the pressure that we both agree would be on the relationship, right? Sure. Okay, but then the she had to be my girlfriend is also a pressure in that he hasn't taken the time to think it through. He hasn't taken the time to see, is this a relationship that's actually good? Is this something that I need right now? And for me, if with what I was saying about earlier this year, I kind of thought the same thing. Like, I thought since she's giving these signals that she'd have to be my girlfriend. That's right. a very watered down version of what actually happened, but that's sort of the same thing of the pressure that was on me of this relationship is here. She has to be my girlfriend. I should pursue this. Right. It follows that I have to be her boyfriend. And that's what John's saying here. I think Does that kind of yeah. make sense. Yes. I guess the, maybe the misunderstanding in my head is sort of, we were young, like the difference between um, like a one-sided relationship versus two people who they kind of get into a relationship and it's clear they're not being like majorly intentional about it. But I think even in a relationship when you are intentional about it, it's possible to get your heart hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that's that'll a, tie that's into what he says. Like, yeah. That'll, that'll tie into what he says later. Now there, there's nothing wrong with kissing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Actually, I kind of like it. Dad. <laughs> but it's too risky when you're so young, honey. Explain. Brooke, God made our hearts so precious, and there's no greater gift than to save your heart for the one God has for you. The only thing that can come from giving your heart away, even little pieces of your heart, too soon, is pain and regret. You sacrifice part of you that could be given to your true love later in life. So, yeah. I know what you mean. Hmm. Let me stew on that for a second. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from that on that one, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it makes me really sad because, like, I, I don't, I, no, accepting that means no. Nah, I disagree with the episode, but I don't. I really don't know what to say right now. That's kind of I. I kind of see that clipping. Hearing that clip again, it does make sense where where you're coming from. Even in okay. me pushing the context of this is in the context of a forced relationship, 
I I do get what how that can be interpreted um, in a different way. Yeah, sort of. I've heard the example. Someone gave an example like your emo- your purity is like a hundred dollars that you you have and you're allowed to give to your spouse when you get married. But every time you date someone, um, it's like you're giving a dollar. Or like every time you kiss someone, it's like you're giving a dollar here, a dollar there, and eventually you like you want to be able to on your wedding night present to your spouse a hundred dollars, not like five or thirty or twenty three or something like that. That's the analogy that I was taught growing up as far as a purity is concerned, and it was why I was so like, oh, I can't date, I can't do anything because what if it's not the actual person I want to marry? Uh, when I when I'm older and I won't have enough money f- to give to my spouse, but that's really kind of an abusive way to talk about a person's purity because that's not how it really works. Okay, can you go back a little bit? I want to hear that clip again. Sure. God made our hearts so precious, and there's no greater gift than to save your heart for the one God has for you. The only thing that can come from giving your heart away even little pieces of your heart too soon is pain and regret okay i'm a context guy you know that so the context he just gave was there's no greater gift to save your heart for the one god has for you the one god yes. has for you is i think it's irre- it would be unreasonable to say he's referring to a relationship that's a good relationship but not necessarily the one with your wife that that's probably a, a reference to your future future spouse correct in that one so, therefore, by that context, when he says um, giving pieces of your heart away too soon, the too soon means before the relationship is the one that is the one with your wife. Right. Okay. Okay. I will <laughs> – I probably won't end up saying I disagree with the message or even that, mm-hmm. like, I despise purity culture. But <laughs> – I generally I I will say this does seem like a misstep in the writing because the if I were to rewrite that scene um I would say something extremely similar or I would say maybe all the same things he said uh, but and and say like um God can redeem your time and like God can redeem those moments um mm. but but you want to make sure that those people the people and like there's also nothing wrong, and I would clarify that nothing, there's nothing wrong with kissing. I would say, I would, I would think he would say there's nothing wrong with kissing before you're married. There's nothing wrong with having relationships with people that you're in, that you're intentional about. But the problem comes when you're being indiscriminate about it, or the problem comes when you're when you're not thinking, or when you're not taking the time to examine your relationships. Um, right. I don't or, know if that, or if, or yeah. like if you care deeply about having those experiences only with the person you're going to share your life with and being able to share even more of those emotional bonds only with that person and not have this one thing like, oh yeah, well, there's this one fling before I got married that I think about every once in a while because it was also a hugely emotional experience. Like, I think that, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, hey, maybe be careful about um, who you choose to have such highly emotional experiences with. But that said, I think that you can have close relationships with other people that aren't your spouse that are meaningful to you. And it doesn't have to mean that you took anything from your spouse. Like I have really like, I have talks with you all the time that I really appreciate and I really value our friendship, but that doesn't take anything away from Hannah. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think if I were to get into a relationship in the future, if I would constantly be remembering my past relationship right. and practically if that's actually the way it would work and why, yeah. if it would work From that way because ex- I've been told purity culture or if though, if it worked that way, because right. that's actually the way it is. And it's difficult for me to, or it's sort of difficult for me to speak to, but also not because I technically did have, there's another relationship I was in and that person, it like, it was a pseudo relationship because we kind of like stayed in the talking phase and kind of got out of the talking phase, and then it ended. And so mm-hmm. it's not like we were Facebook official or anything kind of level of relationship, if that's even sure. something to gauge it by. <laughs> but 
I despise um, that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but um, when we were in that situation, I was definitely kind of over the moon, like, oh, someone actually likes me. And then after it ended, I was definitely very depressed and sad because it was like, oh, well, she broke it off and she broke it off because she was like, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. And that hurt because it felt like a personal gut punch. But that I wouldn't trade that for not having done so because it it was actually that relationship ending that it made me turn to God more fully and kind of rely on him for... I guess my emotional needs and Mm -hmm. I feel like I really grew in that season of my life. And I don't think that I would have been at a point that I could have dated Hannah um, if I hadn't gone through that. And so I'm actually really grateful for that point in my life because it made me more emotionally, spiritually uh, mature to the point that dating Hannah was a better experience than it would have been otherwise. Um, And I don't feel like, I took anything from Hannah by getting into that relationship because I don't think you can really judge. Like it's impossible to know who God has for you. Like you find someone and you really appreciate them and you're like, Oh, I I really think that this is the person. That's what I thought about the first person I liked. That's what I thought about the second person I liked. That's what I thought about the third person I liked the third one, third time's a charm. It actually worked, but (laughs) it's impossible to like read God's mind and be like, Oh yes, this is the one. Mm hmm. Okay. No, and that all that all makes sense. So this is going to take a lot, I guess, a lot of um, thinking outside of this recording for me to figure out what I asked. Yeah, it's going to be like four in the morning tonight, and you're like, oh, (laughs) that's it. No, I mean, I I will probably, if anything, it'll be, oh, wait, I wish I'd said this to Ryan because I... Because right. it's this, because I think it's the, but we'll come back for a mega reunion episode where we yeah. Where where we, we talk actually, about like it once more. once I'm married, we'll we'll figure this thing. If I'm, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy if you got married mid mid uh, episodes? Like we're we're at season six or something. I mean, I I wouldn't be opposed to that. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go back and do the rest of the episode now. So rewind. Ryan, any, <laughs> any last words on this uh, this little part? Yeet. <laughs> Ryan, I always appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh Thank you. Thanks for listening to this bonus segment on Return to Gilead. If I had gone further She's trying to game you. Just like you've been gaming ev- no. Uh what, <laughs> No, did we make th- I'm cutting that out. I'm not gonna have any okay, Rydell references fine, on this podcast. Fine. That's fine.